a win in Pittsburgh. Nine and four. First place in the AFC North. It's another fantastic episode of Pod Like a Raven. I buried the lead there. Uh, another fantastic episode. It's a fantastic episode of Pod Like a Raven. Because for the first time in weeks, it's a satisfying victory coming out of Ravenland. Even though this team is 9-4 and, and still in first place in the AFC North. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts to talk about a victory off of Steelers Week. Let's start on the East Coast with Tim Horsey. Tim, we've had some, some intros the last couple of weeks with the losses. It hasn't been very happy. With the wins, it hasn't really been that happy. But I turn to you now, coming off of what we just saw on Sunday. How you doing today? Oh, man, are you kidding me, Antonio? I'm doing so good. You go into Pittsburgh, you're waving the towels during that stupid Renegade song. You're more pumped than they are that that just happened. You pick off the, the Steelers three different times, you block a field goal, and you run the ball down their throat. I am so happy today. I, we're even doing this episode late, and I don't care. I, I know I opened I opened last week's episode basically taking shots at you guys that I didn't like being here talking about this team. It's the polar opposite. I cannot wait to talk all about the best result of the season for the Baltimore Ravens. When you look at conversion rates for margin of victory, uh, a one-point win against the Broncos felt like a 10-point loss. Whereas a two-point win in Pittsburgh feels like a 20-point win in Pittsburgh. J7's on the West Coast. Got to be feeling a little bit better than we did uh, over the last few weeks. Uh, this is this is why we're fans, Antonio. This is why we watch games like Sunday. Because, you know, you kind of alluded to it right there. The big scheme, I think this team still has massive problems, uh, which we'll get into it, including but not limited to. They're now probably playing a third-string quarterback uh, in mid-December here. So there's problems, and I don't know that the, the ceilings change. But this is why we tune in every week, to celebrate games like this, victories like this over your biggest rival, who you haven't beaten since 2019, four straight losses in the series, up in smoke, and to do it in their building the way, as Tim said, with the big stops and critical moments, with just the most two of the more satisfying offensive drives we've seen, I think, all year, pounding the rock, Making Steeler Nation question itself. I saw the word soft bandied about on Steelers Twitter. Uh, you know, I revel in that. And you have to celebrate it. And this game, I think, just as it unfolded, you know, there's been so much change to this rivalry. Most recently, obviously, the biggest being the retirement of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, that I didn't know if I'd still, you know, feel the same way. But as this game unfolded and the Ravens took these leads and the game was ending... The, the the spark re reawakened in me, and I was like, "Wow, this it still this game still does it for me." And so to win it like they did, man, it was just really satisfying. As Tim said, watching the 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 clips today of Ravens players jumping up and down on the sideline, twirling towels while Renegade plays after they blocked a field goal, huh? Oh, that was that was 
beautiful. That was a beautiful sight. So, yeah, I'm feeling great. As I said, long-term problems still very much here. But what a what a win! It's hard to believe we haven't talked about a Steeler a victory over the Steelers since the first season of the show. Oh my God! Uh, it's been three years. COVID hadn't happened in America yet since the last time they beat the Steelers. So, oh my goodness, it was just such a great day, and, and uh, it's going to be a great week until we uh, probably have to, you know. Stop it! No, 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 no! Not today. We can do that <laughs> or, next week, or at not least today. not until the second half of this episode. <laughs> Jace, give us thirty minutes first of of just a little bit of joy for the season that has been joyless with a nine and four football team. Earlier in this week, we talked about some keys to the game for this Steelers game. We talked about players we wanted to get back. I uh, threw the gauntlet down on Ronnie Stanley, wanting to to have him back in this game based on what we saw at left tackle last week. Stanley had the, uh, see if I get the order of this right, full practice on a, on a Wednesday, limited on a Tuesday, then just didn't practice on Friday, uh, a nice reverse trend, turned out that was just a day off for him, he was healthy, he played, played every snap, got J.K. Dobbins back, I would say a week earlier, at least, than I anticipated, just based off of their 21-day practice window when they get t- taken off the IR lists. Marcus Williams came back, I think even for him, he came back a week earlier than I was maybe expecting with this Ravens team and this Ravens coaching staff and how they've handled injuries and and guys coming back. So by the time we got to Sunday morning, it was was intriguing because yes, we knew we were going to have a backup quarterback, we knew it was going to be Huntley, and we we knew he was going to struggle at least in stretches based off of previous performance, based off of playing the, the Steelers in Pittsburgh. But having a few of these pro bowler, top-level players on the field, that gave me a little bit of hope as we got into Sunday. It was the first game in, I think, a long time that the team had Stanley, Dobbins, and Edwards on the field together at the same time and healthy and ready to play as opposed to being in you know rotational situations with snaps or, or whatnot. And boy, was that a difference. And may it remain the difference for this offense moving forward because what do you do when you have a backup quarterback but you got your backs and you got your star left tackle in there you run the rock and the start and end of this game for the Ravens offensively was 42 carries 215 yards and the only touchdown of the game on the ground against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh have not seen them gash the Steelers like this in a very very long time and they weren't doing anything in the air. So very nice to get the ground game going. And at the perfect moment when you have first a second string quarterback start the game and then a third string quarterback finish it. Oh, it was beautiful. I like the You said it. it it's frustrating. And it's why we called out Ronnie Stanley, right? He makes all the difference. He is the guy. When he is in there, they can play really well. It's weird. They seem to run to the right a ton even when Stanley's in there like but somehow his presence is what changes it and especially no Kevin Zeitler in this game that and they still ran as well as they did I mean it was just incredible performance and, and I think the JK part of it was the most unexpected to me and I was even worried a little early Antonio because he brushed that long run on the touchdown drive 
but like he doesn't get in the end zone. I was like, uh oh, he doesn't look like a hundred percent right. Like I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, he's gone when he broke that, and then he he wasn't gone. And I was like, uh oh, he's gonna come out and he pulled something. But no, he rushes it in the next, literally the next play. So I, it was just like right from the jump, it was just such just dictating terms, and I mean, so it was great throughout. But the defining, I think, thing we have to say is the second to last drive uh you know to go up 16 to 7 13 plays 57 yards seven minutes 55 seconds nine runs three passes on the drive a drive that coach john harbaugh said this is not john harbaugh quotes but he did say this he said quote it will go down in history as one of the great drives in the rivalry which made me laugh out loud honestly when i heard it but <laughs> kind of true it was a fantastic drive uh and given the circumstances with Anthony Brown in at that point in the game, coming off a blocked field goal that would have cut it to, you know, a three-point game, it was it was decisive. Um, so, uh, or six-point game. I'm good at math. Uh, <laughs> no, three-point game. I was right the first time. But, yeah, so that drive was just incredible. And, and you know, I just rewatching it again today, you're just like, oh, my God, I'm savoring every moment of this. This is what I want the Ravens to be. If they're not going to score – you know, 40 points a game, which I think that ship sailed for this, for this team this season, pound the rock, pound it down their throat. And that was, it was just so good. It's got your biggest rival to do that. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, no Lamar being out there and then losing your second string quarterback too. And having to go with Anthony Brown, um, forced Greg Roman's hand a little bit in the, (laughs) you have to keep it simple here. Like no stupid stuff. Uh, even with like Tyler Huntley, you know, fumbling the, fumbled the snap with, uh, Duvarnay, on like one of the jet sweeps earlier in the game. So it almost, you know, <laughs> this is not, I'm not trying to be like controversial, like whatever hot takey guy, but it's like, if Lamar's there, does that offense run as well? Only because Greg Roman just dies, tries to do some, st- nothing on Lamar, obviously, but Roman tries to do something wonky. Instead, he let the big boys eat. Um, and I love, obviously you look at the stat line, JK, what a surprise and what a great like kind of revelation to have him. 15 carries, 120 yards, averaging 8 yards per carry. And then Gus Edwards doing the dirty work inside, baby. 13 carries, 66 yards, 5.1 yards per carry there. Like like Antonio mentioned earlier, made the Pittsburgh Steelers, who pride themselves on <laughs> defense, look soft um, and look like they didn't belong uh, on the same field as the Baltimore Ravens did. And shout out to Tyler Linderbaum. I, we look, we saw, we thought about this early, right? And it was like, oh man, Hamilton and Linderbaum, Linderbaum a little bit small. I don't know. Hamilton struggling. The fact that the Ravens got both of these guys in the first round is looking more and more like a steal every single day. Uh, we'll get to the defense in a second, but Linderbaum, a PFF grade of 91.3, 91.3. Uh, if you ask if that's good, it is the highest grade among all offensive linemen in week 14, not including the Monday Night Football game, which is going on as we record this. Um, absolutely incredible. The amount of seal blocks that he had on different linebackers. He had to fight Cameron Hayward all game and basically neutralized Cameron Hayward, who is an all-pro, pro-bowl, defensive tackle slash defensive end type of player. I thought the offensive line was huge for this. They knew they had to step up in the big moment, and it's just – all the trepidation aside about, you know, how Roman or how somebody will screw this up. And, you know, I think there's valid concern there. It's nice to know that the offensive line, when those guys are in there, looks like a 
I, maybe not even a strength, but just not a weakness. And it was that was really encouraging to see. In the first quarter, the Ravens had a fourth and inches on their own 35-yard line where they went for it, and they ran it, and they got it. And it's a small play. It didn't make the difference in the game. But at the time, to me, it was a statement from this team that they were not afraid of the situation they were in. They were not afraid of having Huntley in this game. I was pretty shocked, to, to be honest, in a game they knew was going to be very low scoring to not punt the ball in that situation in the first quarter. But they didn't punt. They kept the same exact aggression on the ground and the same exact mentality that they've had for years and succeeded with it. Uh, and then I want to get some some of these quotes that Jace has from these Steelers players because when it got to the fourth quarter, you have a third-string quarterback who had never played in an NFL game. Also, that has to be you know put in the in the description of him being a third-string quarterback. I I assume they were not going to score another point. I assume the Ravens were potentially not even going to get another first down. Uh, he, Brown was in, Anthony Brown was in one third down situation where it was third and long. And I basically was just saying, just don't turn the ball over. I take a knee and he gets sacked and almost turns the ball over, but he didn't held on to it. So that was good. So with that type of feel, I did not think this team was going to get another first down, assuming Pittsburgh would put literally 11 guys in the box, just waiting to get beat by a throw as opposed to a run. And they still couldn't stop it, Jace. Explain it to me from the Pittsburgh side, how they still were unable to stop the Ravens on the ground in that situation. Yeah, they, it was it was very interesting. And as I said, I reveled in these quotes because it's just such a, a heartwarming feeling if you're programmed a certain way like I am to to kind of cher- cherish these things. But Cherish the misery of everybody from Pittsburgh? Yeah, I'm with you. Indeed. It's amazing. And especially some of these longtime guys. So Cameron Hayward had this to say on the final drive, which we should say, Ravens, which we'll get to the defense in a moment, but Ravens defense shockingly not able to seal the deal. But the offense does. They get three straight runs, first down, two-minute warning, game over. It was beautiful. So said Cam Hayward on that, yeah. And that's the head-scratcher, because every play is downhill. We should know where the plays are going to that point. To not get off the field and not get our offense one more chance, that stings the most. Said Minka Fitzpatrick, when you know a team likes to run the ball and you can't stop it, it is frustrating. And Miles Jack probably gave the most credit to the Ravens, perhaps because he's been in the Ravens-Steelers rivalry (laughs) the least amount of time, said, they executed, they did their thing. Give them credit. It's devastating. It's heartbreaking because that's all we are on the field to do is get the ball back to the offense to give them another shot. The game was in reach, and they got the first down when they needed. It definitely sucked. It was just, you know, as I said, just amazing to kind of impose your will, essentially, just via running the ball when they know it's coming and they can't do anything about it. It did kind of remind me of, you know, the halcyon days of the 2019 Ravens when, when everything was good and nothing bad ever happened. J.K. Dobbins, no lost yardage. Remember when that was a thing? The Ravens never lost yards on a play? And it kind of happened in this game uh, on a few occasions, or certainly with Dobbins anyway. Um, it was just really great. And, uh, you know, I think perhaps a slight indictment on the Steelers coaching staff for not adjusting to the point you raised, Antonio. There's a a lot of Harbaugh chatter on Steelers Twitter, or uh, Tomlin chatter, rather, on Steelers Twitter. Uh, but, yeah, it was kind of surprising. It, it, but I, I was just so pleased that 
I feel like we've been in this situation so much this year where we've wanted that one final that that drive to kind of put the nail in the coffin and the Ravens offense did it not once but twice running the ball pounding the rock on the road against your biggest rival with a third string quarterback I mean I just can't I, I know they scored 16 points which is you know their third win in four weeks where they've yet to exceed 20 points so the offense isn't in great shape by any means but all in all, I think you ha- it's hard to be anything but satisfied with the way, certainly, the offensive line and the running game played on Sunday. I mean, for a team that's supposed to have this identity as a physical, you know, run-the-ball-first football team, as an offense, you should be able to close out games. And they simply haven't been this season. I mean, you know, obviously blowing all the leads for every, every loss has been a 10-point lead or more, like, ridiculously. So, yeah, it was refreshing and, man coming at a time like this against your biggest rival in a game where you're down down bad and you're just kind of waiting for you know another miserable loss in Pittsburgh to happen so so refreshing um and if you want to look at it cynically which I said we wouldn't but maybe a little bit why hasn't this been there before but you know maybe we could just avoid that I want to talk about Huntley a little bit you know you you feel bad for him but because this was his first start it was an opportunity for him to to a showcase his talent for maybe playing beyond the ravens and trying to be a starter somewhere else in the league it was a chance for him to avenge the rough game that he had against the steelers last year when the ravens still had a a fool's hope to make the playoffs in that last week of the regular season that went into overtime against against the steelers he plays three quarters of this game, but but I, I think we have enough enough there to give a, a little bit of an assessment. He goes eight of twelve. Played better than I expected when some plays broke down. Jace had talked about his usual performances as as a backup coming into games, and and it was tr- certainly true in those weeks that he looked for the first option, he tried to check it down, or he ran, and that was it. He didn't sort of try to extend plays longer than they needed to. He did that a little bit in a in a positive way in this Pittsburgh game. Found Deshaun Jackson at a certain point on the sidelines, open when, when a play broke down. Found Demarcus Robinson a, a few times. Still nothing super vertical, but certainly was leading the offense, running the you know running the offense as best he could. Um, had a few scrambles when plays broke down, and then takes this pretty vicious hit uh, to to knock him out of this game. And we hope to see him. <laughs> Hope to see our backup quarterback uh, on a, on a short week, but I'm I'm curious as to your guys' thoughts on Huntley and, and I suppose as much as you can on Anthony Brown with just a few drives for him. I'll just go quickly on Huntley. I think you make the big biggest point there. Uh, kept everything simple, you know. Kept it was, you know, three five step drop whatever. Put the put the foot the back foot in the ground and make the throw. And if the throw isn't there run run away and I think that was kind of the move that you need don't try and don't try and over complicate everything don't try and make the big money play and you know I, I don't want to keep comparing this to Lamar Jackson but I think and Lamar can make these plays so it's not like I, I'm saying he shouldn't be doing this I think it had to be oversimplified for Huntley but at the same time Lamar can get caught in hero ball a little bit where he's trying to do way too much and then all of a sudden it's the silly interception i I, there were there might have been one deflection yeah Huntley threw it off of somebody's helmet I think it was Ronnie Stanley's helmet um, and that could have been, you know, a disastrous play. But outside of that, I thought it was a well-executed game plan, which is something that we have not been able to say all year. Um, is he? Is he? And I think none of us have fallen for this. Is he uh, 
Lamar Jack like replaceable level Lamar Jackson? No, not at all. I, I think he can keep you in games. I don't think he wins you games is, is the best way to put it. So, you know, I hope he's back for the, this Browns game because I don't think Lamar's going to be back. Uh, and I don't think Anthony Brown is really – um, you know, shown anything, and there wasn't much to show there. But, uh, yeah, overall, like most Huntley performances, solid but not spectacular. Yeah, that uh, the big thing was just avoiding the mistakes. That's what killed him in the season finale last year against Pittsburgh. I, you know, I haven't rewatched that game, I think, since it happened. But he had some awful for, uh, throws of that one, from what I, I remember, just bad decisions. And he avoided that. The one thing, and it ended up, I don't know that there's much he could actually do on the play he ultimately got injured on, but he takes some massive shots when he's running the ball in a way Lamar just doesn't. And we know, you know, that's hard to compare. It's like Tyler Huntley to literally the best running quarterback of all time who can, like, escape any, you know, situation and doesn't take a ton of hits for as much as he runs. But he just got blown up and walloped on a few occasions, and that's kind of ultimately what sort of unfortunately knocked him out of this game. He ran right into the teeth of the defense and took Minka Fitzpatrick's shoulder basically right to his head, more or less. Um, I thought he hurt his knee on the play initially, the way he got twisted up, but it is a concussion. He's in concussion protocol. We'll talk more about that when we talk about (laughs) the Browns game here. Um, But I do want to just shout out Anthony Brown a little bit because when he was inserted into this game, uh, as you said, Antonio, he has never taken play in the NFL before. He steps in with the ball at the Ravens' own one-yard line in Pittsburgh, thanks to the magic of the NFL rulebook, and has to, you know, and and they they get bold with it. They call a pass, which terrified me in the moment. Uh, But he executed it, and that was, you know, one of three passes he completed on the day was his very first play. But he, he didn't commit mistakes, and like you said, there was the one sack, but that uh, in that moment, I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. Uh, you know, the Ravens have the lead. Don't turn the ball over. Punt it away. Um, but we should say two of his other completions were on the big, you know, eight-minute drive. Uh, it was basically a series. They had, you know, they get a first down on a rush. He throws incomplete on first down, but then hits two completions, including to Mark Andrews, to convert on a third down. So I thought he stepped up in a big spot just because – you know, it's it's a very hard situation to be put in to be like, hey, you're going to play your first NFL action. Why don't you go to the one-yard line in Heinz Field in, the, like, the biggest rivalry game uh, this team plays? Uh, good luck. It, so I, w- I was impressed with his performance and kind of poisoned that spot. Yeah, but like Tim said, there's not much to say. I will say the other positive, there were nary a clock issue with him under center, so that was nice. Uh Seemed like the plays were getting called into the line and off and and all that. So that was that was also good. So I think he should at least be commended a little bit for that. Whether that's just as Tim said, they actually decided to finally keep things simple for once uh, with Greg Roman's billion run plays or whatnot. Uh, who's to say? But I, I thought you know for as little as there is to say about a guy who threw five passes, I thought he was pretty impressive. First play on the one yard line. Three step drop. Be- better not throw it inside. Be- better hit that hit that spot on that on that route, or else I don't know. They just go to Mark Andrews after that as quarterback <laughs> instead of keeping Brown in. Yeah, Brown I think did as as well as could have been expected in the situation, and I hope he doesn't play another down for the rest of the season. It wouldn't be a Steelers game without one concussion, but it, and I'm I, you know I'm making a joke. I don't want to make too much of a light of it, but. It wouldn't really be a Steelers game without multiple concussions. 
Kenny Pickett also knocked out of this game with a concussion for the Steelers very early uh, in this game on a play that is a perfect encapsulation of what makes a good player and what makes an all-pro. Pickett, in the pocket, is able to slip out of Patrick Queen's grasp for what should have been a sack. He then scrambles a little bit to the right, and Roquan Smith, the missile, wraps him up like a middle schooler and and throws him down like a ragdoll. That's why he got the concussion. It was the momentum of these type of hits that I think the NFL is trying their best to eliminate. Sometimes, in some occasions, by calling some sort of penalty that doesn't really make sense, it's just a strong player throwing a guy who isn't as heavy as he is. But Roquan Smith does get the sack immediately, knocks out Pickett, and we get the Mitchell Trubisky experience that I think all three of us did not want uh, in a Steelers game. I think it's sort of Ravens lore that they end up playing worse against the backup quarterback thrown into a game than the actual starter, especially when it's a rookie quarterback. But let's talk about the defense. They went old school too, guys. We got the old run game back, and we got that old defense. Bend, but don't break. A lot of Pittsburgh drives moving down the field with Mitch Trubisky. (laughs) But then you got a lot of the old Mitch Trubisky errors as well. Three interceptions in this game that really prevented points, uh, direct points on all three possessions. Patrick Queen, I gave him a little bit of flack earlier, give him credit here. An awesome play. Roquan Smith, again, making a play with an interception of his own. And Marcus Williams back in the lineup, catching, look at, looking like Willie Mays back there with the over-the-shoulder <laughs> over catch in center field. Roquan Smith in this game, six tackles, a sack, and an interception. In five games as a Raven, he has 37 tackles, two sacks, an interception, and two pass deflections. That's why we wanted him all season. He was solid. I turn to you guys now on the Ravens' defensive performance. Bending, not breaking. And then toward the end of this game, how they maybe weren't able to close it out as satisfyingly as we would have liked. Well, so it was funny. I wrote in my notes, I believe this was after, uh, which we'll touch on, I think, in a little bit too, but the Calais Campbell block, which is effectively a turnover, right, almost. I, I literally wrote this verbatim. I'll say this. D has come up with a play every time I've given up hope. And that's like seemed to be what was happening because Mitch was moving the ball and Mitch is such a weird quarterback, which I think is part of why I didn't want him in this game. The first two drives, the only two drives we saw with Kenny Pickett, he was clearly one read and if it's not there, he was going to run. And I felt I was not scared to play Kenny Pickett, honestly, after what, with what we saw from him, especially, you know, his final dr- play, and it turns out he throws the ball right into Broderick Washington, of all people, and you're like, okay, I'm not worried about this guy. But Mitch can do some stuff. He's weirdly elusive. There were some scary shades of, of Roethlisberger escapes at times in this. Uh, but then, yeah, the mistakes. I mean, you said it, Antonio. Um he was picked off when the Steelers had the ball on the Ravens 17, which was the Roquan Smith pick the 23, which that play by queen, like the Steelers have less than a minute, I believe to score before halftime. They're getting the ball on the other side of the half. Like this is the middle eight that Tim always talks about. The Ravens were preparing to lose it again. And he comes up with that amazing play to prevent points. So I was pleasantly surprised. I was like, wow. And that was back-to-back drives that they end this way with picks deep in their own territory. And then the Marcus Williams one was even, as you said, on the other side of the 50. It was on the Ravens 46. So, yeah, they directly, you know, stopped them. And that's why I was so encouraged until they didn't close the game when they they had a chance. But, yeah, Mitch, Mitch's line's so weird. He was 22 of 30. 
passing. Like, he, he had some really nice throws and good moments. And then he just has these brain... Like, the Roquan and Queen plays were almost the same pass, it seemed like. And and, and the Williams pick was just him trying to force something. So I do think the, the Ravens benefited from, like, a bad quarterback on the other side. But to credit to them, they did make those plays... I just wish they had made one more play, which we will talk about, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, you're asking for a lot, and I think it's – I I kept joking with my friends who I was watching the game with of just pay Roquan Smith all of Lamar's money, and it's getting (laughs) less and less of a joke every week. As soon as he signs a deal, that's the next jersey. It's Marlon Humphrey, Pat Ricard, and it's time for a Roquan Smith, maybe in a nice black. I haven't had a black jersey in a while. That might be. That might be. Let's get a let's get a number switch to fifty eight though. In the yeah, season. yeah. I might have to wait for that, and then let's see. I mean, eighteen <laughs> is my birthday date, so maybe that's like my little added bonus for that. But um, you know, we've talked about it over and over again. He has made Patrick Queen that much better. I thought the defensive line was good as well. Uh, Marcus Williams, already a massive difference maker on the back end. Marlon Humphrey. You know, one absolutely bogus P.I. call where he does nothing wrong. And then outside of that was was fantastic for most of the game outside of Pickens getting a George Pickens had a couple uh, catches on him. And then I'm surprised we didn't see him kicking his helmet because little George Pickens <laughs> didn't get five receptions. Um, I don't know that, why that baby was British, uh, but I I I thought I was really, really impressed with them. And look, this is kind of. You know, even the great Ravens defenses of the past could be a little bend, not break. But you know what they did? They turned the freaking ball over, and they made plays when they had to. Turnovers are the great, great equalizer. Teams do not win games when they lose the turnover battle. It is the thing that – hold on to the football and get the football out of their hands. It is the one thing that – if you're trying to conquer a team that's better than you, keep taking the ball away from them, and you're going to give yourself one hell of a chance to beat them. And I think, you know, obviously these two teams were uh, were, were pretty even, but that was the difference in this game. Um, I also I also want to shout out the defense. I mean, we, we've referenced it before. So if you don't know, um, the the Steelers play Renegade by uh, – is it Sticks? I don't know. I don't – Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. J- Jace, apparently big fan. Um they play this song and it's like supposed to be like your, you know, whatever mid third quarter pump up thing or what have you. And if you look, this is after the, another big play, the Calais Campbell block on the field goal, go on Twitter and find the videos of the entire Ravens sideline, notably the defense. Cause it was, it, the offense was out on the field at this time. So it was the defense. They're waving their towels and they're not just waving them. Like, you know, standing up straight and like, you know, just moving the elbow a little bit, waving some towels. They are, turned around, looking at the Steelers crowd, and dancing in their face, waving their towels at them, mocking the terrible towel. This Ravens defense, they look, they know. It's what, four straight losses now against the Pittsburgh Steelers? Calais Campbell came out in an interview. He did an interview with Justin Matabike on like one of the Ravens uh, platforms. And they both said, we're not officially Ravens yet because we have not beat the Steelers. Like Campbell and Matabike joined the team in the same offseason, uh, one, one via the draft, one via free agency, obviously, or a trade, excuse me. They all knew how much this meant, and they took it very, very seriously. And even if there are some some moments, and even if there is the one drive that Jace alluded to that makes this game a little bit tighter on the sphincter than it should be, I was so, so impressed with them making those plays in the moment. And again, look, this team, if this team is doing anything this year, and we can safely say they are not, but if they are doing anything this year, 
it's going to be going on a, a miraculous run through the playoffs, and a lot of it is going to be on the defense to make those plays. Patrick Mahomes is driving. Holy crap, where did Marcus Williams just come from for a drive-killing interception? It's third and four. Uh, you know, whoever. Josh Allen is driving. Here comes JPP off the right side. Oh, wow. Huge sack in a big part of the game. Like, those are the, those are the plays that this team needs. And they did it on Sunday, and you just hope that it continues because, man, it is fun to watch a defense just taking the ball away. Yeah, I'm going to turn to the the negative drive for the defense, but I agree with everything. I mean, they gave up 14 points the whole game in Pittsburgh. They look better and better every week. The depth is there. David Ojabo can't crack the starting lineup or the roster because of the depth that pass rusher all of a sudden. That's become sort of the undercurrent of why he's been healthy and then every week is still not active because they'd have to pull somebody else from that position group to fit him on the active 53 and they don't want to do it right now they like who they have so the defense absolutely is in is in a strong position but yeah they did struggle uh on what would you know you could say is the most important drive of the game you've just gone up by two scores even if you hold them to a field goal, if you make them spend a lot of time, if you can take them to under the two-minute warning, you're in much better position before they're able to score. And they just Pittsburgh just goes downfield seamlessly. However, two of the throws on this drive by Trubisky are perfect balls. And that's why I can't imagine being, I guess, a Bears fan, like having to watch him week in and week out, because he is the definition of two ridiculously foolish plays, and then the best throw you've ever seen. The deep ball that he throws by Humphrey, Humphrey's there. He's not even a full step. He's maybe a quarter step behind, and the ball is thrown perfectly. I forget if that was Deontay Johnson or Pickens on the first the first real deep throw of that drive. The, the next throw that I'm talking about is he's like about to get hammered by a Raven defender, and he, he, he finally throws... That ball to the tight end up the scene that he'd been picked off with twice earlier in the game. <laughs> just over the outstretched hands of a Ravens linebacker and just before Marcus Williams comes down and, and hammers the tight. It was a perfectly thrown ball when they needed it. So I, I almost, you know, I don't want to just criticize, criticize, criticize based on the end result. If a quarterback makes perfect throws, a la what I talked about with Lawrence in that Jags drive toward the end of the game when they, when they were able to crush the soul of us as Ravens fans with that long touchdown drive. Some of those throws were just unbeatable throws, and Trubisky had two of them on that drive, so I get it. Frustrating to see that be the last drive that this defense plays in this game after the full 60-minute performance that they put up, but overall, well, uh, you know, you have to give them a, an A-, I guess, on their performance. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and that's why I think I just get so frustrated in these moments, because it's like you watch this whole game and you're like, they can make plays. This team's tied for second in turnovers in the NFL this year, but it just does seem in the absolute biggest moments when you say, like you said, not even just, you don't even have to stop them. You have a two score lead. That was what was great about that long drive is regardless of if they kicked a field goal or got a touchdown, they were going to lead by two scores. Uh, 
but yeah, to not even get it, make them use timeouts, get on the other side. They they go five plays and seventy five yards in forty nine seconds. Like it's just for to have to be so good and force all these turnovers and like to know how talented they are because they are talented and they're getting better every single week. They're in, I believe, they've broken into the top ten in total defense right at this point, or they're right on the fringe. Like they're they're closing in fast. Uh, and I thought they just played so well, but then just like to just have that moment where it is winning time and you can uh, seal the game just with one stop, just one one fourth failed fourth down, and you just kneel it all out and go, all go home. It's just frustrating, but you know, yeah, I you don't dwell on it because unlike other collapses we've seen, the Ravens got on the field and immediately just burned off the rest of the game, <laughs> uh, which was nice to see uh, with the offense. So the offense picked 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 up the defense in this regard, and that was that was nice to see. Um, what one week I would love them to just win by nine, <laughs> win given the chance. Jace, I don't understand. What do you what do you mean win by win so, by some, nine? What does that mean? Some teams when they go up ten to nine to ten points, they they just win by that amount. They don't end up giving up a touchdown where you have to hold on to the edge of your seat. I'm even you know I, I'm such a psycho. I'm like the two minute warning. I'm like they got to kneel this out three more times and then it's over. Like I'm still stressing out over that. So. You know, I feel like every Raven Steelers game, I'm like, you know, I'm Ron Burgundy in the glass case of emotion. I'm riding high from that super drive, shoving it down their throats. I'm in complete despair over a five play touchdown drive they yield to Mitch Trubisky. And then the offense, you know, closes out. And I'm, I'm on top of the world again. So I hate these games, but I love these games. They make me feel the most amount of things. Uh, which I guess I don't like in the end, but they were positive emotions this time, so that was good. So I don't know. That's that's my only qualm with the defense, I will say. But otherwise, you know, how can you complain? They stepped up the entire rest of the game. <laughs> Final points here on special teams. We've talked about Calais Campbell again. He's he's won us multiple football games now as a veteran interior defensive lineman. Not a lot of guys can say that. Stout out punted. Uh, Harvin for the Steelers. In fact, Harvin's 17-yard punt set up the Ravens' only touchdown uh, of the game. And Tucker was Tucker, but becomes the Ravens' all-time points leader with the the field goals and singular extra point that he kicked in this game. We talked last week, special teams had to be really, really good to try to steal a game in Pittsburgh with a backup quarterback, and they were about as good as you can be uh, in in all phases. So, it's a sweet win. It's good to get sort of the monkey off your back of, of the Pittsburgh losses that had been mounting over the last few years. And now you got six days to turn around and play another division <laughs> opponent. So they can, you couldn't even get a full week of enjoyment out of this because uh, we have to go face Cleveland on Saturday. Anything else, guys, from this game before we turn to the random Raven? One quick... No, just... Sorry, Jess. Go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say, what a delight! What a delight this was to finally, to finally get you know the monkey off the back. That was the stupid four-game losing streak to the Steelers. Uh, one quick thing I will say: a man who has been quite—I wouldn't say a revelation, but a nice surprise—that uh, I just realized that we should mention. Shout out to Demarcus Robinson: five catches, fifty-two yards. Always kind of there to move the chains. Average ten point four yards per carry or per catch. Excuse me. Um, you know, six targets, and he got five catches out of that. He has been the most reliable receiver, and that includes Mark Andrews over the last month or so. So, shout out to him. All right, let's turn now 
to the Random Raven. And Jace, you are up this week, so who do you have for us? Yes, I swear this guy has come up in passing on multiple occasions at this point, but he was not actually on our list, so I do not believe we've ever done him. It's a fun one for me, personally. But, uh, who number one? This player was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2007 NFL Draft. Clue number two. Ostensibly a wide receiver, this Kansas State product caught just two passes during his time in Baltimore, though one of those was a touchdown during a route of Houston in 2008. He primarily served as a returner during his time in Baltimore, though. In 2007, he had a punt return TD on 16 attempts and a kickoff return TD on 43 attempts. His averages went down in both categories in 2008, however, and he was cut in September of 2009. Clue number five, this player, who wore number 16, bounced around after leaving, after leaving the Ravens, landing on the rosters of five different NFL teams and two Canadian football league teams before his playing days ended in 2013. I, I am stunned that he is not a random Raven already because I have thought of this using this guy multiple times. As a random raven. Um, and I guess it's because I, I've definitely used other kick returners as random ravens. So I wonder if maybe he just showed up in some clues or something. This is a, this is a really, really good one. Very, very good one. Very, very random, Jace. Uh, the perfect personification of a random raven. Yeah, some shocking, some shocking things in the research for this one. A, he was a third round pick that caught two passes, <laughs> that being the most prominent. All right, we will answer that at the end of the episode, and it's time to bring back Harbaugh quotes. Well, we did it last week, but we didn't do it two weeks. It's time to bring two weeks ago. It's time to bring back again Harbaugh quotes, and I really, I was gonna say I had to work hard this week. I didn't have to work hard this week. Harbaugh had some doozies. <laughs> Uh, I didn't include the the quote that Jace mentioned in the Ravens <laughs> Steelers recap <laughs> because that was seemed too. Some of these are are so on the nose. I have to kind of avoid them and and, and try to see if I can find ones that I don't think my co-hosts have already read or or listened to in some form. So here we go with the three quotes for listeners who are recent to the show or or have not tuned in in the past month and a half. Harbaugh quotes. I pick two things that Harbaugh really did say. In this past week, and then I write one of my own that is a fake quote. I read all three, see if my co-hosts can figure out which one is the fake one. They have struggled with this because John Harbaugh speaks in more coach speak than anyone. Maybe even more than Bill Belichick. Alright, quote number one. When asked who the quarterback would have been in the Steelers game, had Anthony Brown been hurt? John Harbaugh said, quote, We'll keep that top secret information right now. But we do have a name. I did ask that question recently. End quote. When Harbaugh was asked about Lamar coming back earlier than expected. If Huntley cannot go on Saturday, Harbaugh said, quote, Yeah, we'll see with that. I know he wants to be out there with the guys, but we don't want to make an injury worse when we know we have guys who can step up and take charge of the offense. So, we'll see, but I don't have any update on him, Lamar, right now. End quote. And then the third quote on Huntley's concussion status, Harbaugh said, quote, Listen, I can't speak on it, but he seems good to me. 
He's reciting the months of the of the year backwards. Can you do that right now? We'll see how it goes. You trust the docs on that, and they'll do a good job with him. Whatever it is, it is. End quote. So, I, I did see... That's a real quote. I saw that. That's the real that. one? That's a real quote. The months backwards was a thing he oh said, my. for sure. I was about to say, if that's the real quote, I'm just like, maybe we just fire him now. Like, no, oh that, that's a real thing. He, I did see that. <laughs> it was... I, I didn't know what to make of it. I'm, so, I'm 99.9% sure that's the real one. Oh. I was leading one as the thing. Because number two was so rambly. I'll go. I'll go with you on that. I, I was gonna say two, okay. but I'm not. I'm not convinced of it. So I'll go. I'll go with uh, one. One is the fake one. All right. So let's start with the one that Jace was all over. Uh, oh my gosh! It is a real quote. This is the real one that Harbaugh <laughs> said. Listen, I can't speak on it, but he seems good to me. So that's already a contradiction to start the quote. <laughs> He's reciting the months of the year backwards. Can you do that right now? Most of us can. Yes. And also, that doesn't mean you don't have a concussion by itself. That's not just uh, an eliminator of whether you can play next week. We'll see how it goes. You trust the docs on that, and they'll do a good job with him. And then maybe the, the coup de grace, whatever it is, it is. Just as everything else in the world is, whatever it is, it is. Anyway. Uh, quote, spot the lie, you can't. <laughs> quote number two. I reorganized these as I was talking, which is making this harder to remember. Quote number two. Which one was the top secret one? Was that three or two? Well, top secret was... Two. One, I thought. One. <laughs> oh, you're right. See, I'm reading them in reverse order. I'll just say them out loud. <laughs> this was a real quote by John Harbaugh. Who the quarterback after Anthony Brown would be. Uh, We'll keep that top secret information right now. But we do have a name. I did ask that question recently. I don't know who he's asking. He's the head coach. I feel like he should have a sort of a sense of who that person would be. The fake quote this week. Oh my god, you got us again. (laughs) If Lamar Jackson could come back earlier than expected if Huntley can't go. Yeah, we'll see with that. I know he wants to be out there with the guys. But we don't want to make an injury worse when we know we have guys who can step up and take charge of the offense. So we'll see, but I don't have any update on him right now. You oh gotta throw a we'll see in there, yeah. and you gotta put in like a, a guys too many times in, in one sentence. That's the that's the recipe right now for a fake Harbaugh quote. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about this about this segment. I don't know how many, uh, how many times you guys have gotten it. I think once. Uh, once yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. John Harbaugh. Yeah, he's... he's I, I just didn't see him busting out top secret. I was like, would he say that? I don't think so. That he did. That was in oh, a goodness. quote. That was in, like, one of the press conference press conferences. It was one of the first things he said post-game. It was the first sort of uh, address he had with the press after the game had ended, as opposed to the next day, when he probably wouldn't have used a phrase like top secret. But <laughs> that'll do it for Harbaugh quotes. Let's turn now to the NFL. I, I don't, you know, you guys can bring up a sad team of the week if you would like, but there's four games left. It is absolutely the home stretch now. I think it's time to look at the playoff picture for the first time. We have, we've, we've held off on this uh, for weeks compared to what most of NFL media does. So with four games remaining, 
Let's take a look at the playoff picture in both conferences, starting with the AFC. I mean, guys, tell me if you disagree with any of this, but Bills, Chiefs, Titans all seem pretty locked in to win their divisions. Even the Titans, by despite losing games, they're they're so far ahead in their in their division. Then it's probably Ravens and Bengals, both of them pretty much locked into a playoff spot at nine and four at this point, and that leaves two spots for. Dolphins, Jets, Chargers, and Patriots, if they win tonight. They're currently 6-6, six and six, as, as Tim mentioned earlier. We're recording this as that game, the Monday night game, happens. So if they fall to 6-7, and seven, I'd probably drop them off this list entirely. But a 7-6 and six Pats team, it's the same record as, as the Jets. It's one game behind the Dolphins. You'd have to include them as, as in the hunt still. Who do you like? Uh, of those four teams, who do you think is going to end up stealing those two spots, or do you disagree with me on any of these, any of the locked-in teams? No, the only team that potentially can even catch the Titans is the Jags, but they, you know, they they play the Titans once again, uh, and then they they play the Jets. So there's going to be an eliminator at some point for one of the Jets and or Jaguars. You would think. Um, I kind of think that the playoff field's going to kind of settle with what it is right now i i still think like it's going to be hard for the dolphins to miss at eight and five even though they don't have like the easiest kind of close to the season they're at bills next week they're at the patriots versus the jets um and the chargers you know i thought they played pretty well last night and they have just some awful teams on the schedule they, they play the the titans upcoming who have been struggling as we just said they're at the Colts. They're versus the Rams, who have given up on this season, uh, despite, I guess, starting Baker Mayfield. And they're at the Broncos, who uh, have already been eliminated from the playoffs and are 3-10. and 10. So I kind of think how it stands today is how it's going to finish. I, I don't like the Patriots. I just think the Patriots are too inconsistent. And, and, but they do have the tiebreaker over the Jets. And I think the Jets just don't have quite the horses enough and the quarterback situation settled that they'll make it. So I think how it stands today, I think the only change is, and it hurts to say, I do think our Ravens will be swapping places with the Cincinnati Bengals in the three and the five. And I do believe we are hurtling towards another Ravens at Titans playoff matchup for what would be what the sixth, seventh time the teams have somehow played in the playoffs far too many, but it it certainly seems like it's going to be Ravens, versus AFC South uh, champion in the first round, if I had to guess. Yeah, I'm not ready to give up hope of the division, although I do feel like it's slipping. I I just have this weird thing with the Bengals where I think it's 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 still hot right now to say that they're like the team that's going to come on again and go to the Super Bowl, and people think that this is a crazy thing to say when they just made the Super Bowl and they're an incredibly talented team with a good defense. Uh, you look, they have the Buccaneers who are dead. They have the Patriots, they have the Bills, and then they have the Ravens. It's not an easy stretch for the Cincinnati Bengals there. Uh, but then you are asking the Ravens to take care of their games, which <laughs> is hilarious. Uh, we always split with the Steelers, and we've got a game against the Steelers, so that's probably a loss. Uh, the Falcons game, Falcons are frisky, who knows. The Browns game, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And then the game it's going to come down to inevitably is going to be ravens Bengals in Cincinnati to end the year. Again, they just love putting us in that game. I don't know why. Why can't we have that at home sometimes? Or wait, when they do, it's a Hail Mary that knocks us out of the playoffs, I guess. Um, yeah, I, 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 
I'm just, I'm, it's inevitable that it's going to come down to that game. And I don't know how it's going to go. We'll talk about it in a, in a month's time or so. Uh, but Yeah, we're getting flexed into NBC for that, for sure. Yeah, I would guess 100%. it's going to suck. It's going sure. to be terrible. Um, <laughs> in terms of the other spots, it's just, it's so interesting with that AFC South because you want to say the Jags can make a run, but the Jaguars are the ultimate pendulum team. Like, if they played really well the last week, then they're going to play really crappy the week then, and then well, and then crappy, and then well, and then crappy. So the Titans, even though they have been horrendous recently, as somebody who has put some actual stakes on them in the past couple of weeks, <laughs> um, I I don't see them losing that AFC South position. In terms of the other two teams that you talk about, Antonio, I just don't. I think the Pats, so as we're recording, the pa- the Patriots uh, just went up 7-3, to three. On the Cardinals, we obviously don't know how this one's going to go, although Kyler Murray was carted off with a knee injury, and it was a non-contact knee injury. It's an ACL. It looks really, really bad. Um, so that that stinks for them, which you would think means the Patriots win that game. Even with that, I think the Patriots are out of it uh, regardless. I just don't see the talent there, and I don't think they can overcome both the Jets and the Dolphins. The Dolphins, man, what the hell happened to the Dolphins? They have been horrendous uh, recently. Uh, The the Niners game was just a sham. They almost let the Texans back in in a backdoor cover situation after going up 30 to nothing. And then they had heaters on the sideline in L.A. against the Chargers. And their next game is a Saturday night game in the snow against Buffalo. Like, that seems like a team, if the conditions aren't perfect for them, that offense just does not work. The defense is, is fine. I, I don't think they are, and I don't know. We'll get to the lines in a second. I don't think it's going to be, you know, a Bills blowout by any stretch of the imagination, but I think the Dolphins lose that one. Who knows with the Packers, who's their next opponent. Then they have the Patriots at home, which is always kind of, uh, excuse me, in New England. My apologies. And then the Jets at home to end the year. I'm like, I'm like I, the Dolphins are good. They've been good, but maybe they're falling off at the right time. So then let's go to the Chargers. Who the hell trusts the Chargers? The Chargers just had one good game against the Dolphins. They lose a crappy game to the Raiders. They barely beat the Cardinals. And then their final four games are the Titans, who now that we're all finally off the Titans, the Titans are going to start winning games, which is exactly how this is going to happen. Then they have a bad Colts team at home, but it's, or excuse me, away in Indianapolis. But it's Monday night, primetime Chargers. They just had a good primetime game, so they're bound to screw this one up. Who knows against Sean McVay and the Rams? Maybe this Baker Mayfield thing works. Like, who who knows? (laughs) And then they got the Broncos, and Russell Wilson gives one more let's ride and wins a game to give the Broncos fans a a sense of false hope to end the season. I can't trust any of these teams. You're asking an impossible question here. If I had to pick two right now in those final two spots, I'm going with the Jets. To get one of them. I think the Mike White plays good enough to keep them in games. They have a ton of talent on the offensive side of the football. And the defense is just ferocious. And that's how you win games in January and late December and late in the year. I think the Jets, I'd have to pull up their schedule very quickly here. I don't have it in front of me. Well, they play the Lions this week, I know, off the top which of my head. Is, so that'll which, be interesting. Which the Lions, <laughs> great win for the Lions. Uh, we'll talk about that in the gambling segment. But the Lions, again, everybody's hooping and hollering about the lions now you know what that means they're gonna be terrible against the jets this week that's just how it happens they have the jaguars the seahawks and the dolphins as well give me the jets to make a playoff push even though i absolutely hate it and then if i'm picking one more uh, 
Dolphins. Dolphins figure it out against the Packers and the Patriots. I know that's two AFC East teams making it three in the playoffs. I, I just can't trust the Chargers. I just I, I refuse to do it. Uh, so I will go Dolphins Jets yeah, in the yeah, AFC. Yeah. And you're you're smart to not trust them. Huh? It's somewhat yeah. It's with the Chargers. <laughs> it's just keep saying no until they actually do something, and then we can finally change uh, our opinion on how they execute. Jets Dolphins play in the last game of the season and that may determine first of all whether both of them go to the playoffs i i agree with with tim at, i can't remember if jace picked them or not but i think the dolphins do end up in the postseason the jets are chasing them and that's just part of the reason that it's going to be harder for them that last game of the season may determine whether one of them gets in whether both of them get in uh so we will see with that i do want to i do want to talk about the ravens one more time uh i want to talk about this opportunity to tr- hang on to the AFC North. Cincinnati has to lose at some point. They've won five games in a row. Uh, they've, they've beaten good teams. They've beaten bad teams. They've had close games. They've had blowout wins. They have to lose at some point. They're not going to go into the postseason with a nine-game winning streak. It's going to really irritate me. <laughs> Can they lose a road game at Bucks at Patriots? Both teams still playing for stuff, still tr- very much in the postseason hunt. One of them is first place in their stupid AFC South, or NFC South division. I see them losing to the Bills. I, I think finally they they hit an obstacle where you can't win so many of these games against tough teams in a row. Bills at this point probably still Super Bowl favorites, even though the Eagles have, have looked great week in, week out. The Ravens have an interesting tiebreaker situation as well that I want to go over here briefly they obviously have the tiebreaker currently with the Bengals because they've beaten them in the head-to-head they're absolutely going to lose in week 17 in Cincinnati to negate that tiebreaker and put them back to even on that however they also currently have the division record tiebreaker the Ravens are 3-0 against the division right now the Bengals 2-3 against the division they've actually really struggled against AFC North opponents so if the Ravens can beat the Browns, really the Browns and the Steelers are the big ones, and lose to Cincinnati, if they can be in a situation where they're tied, or they're you know a game ahead in that Week 17 tilt, and then, or I should say Week 18 tilt, and then lose to the Bengals to give them even records, if they can take care of some of these other AFC North games, they're going to go in with the tiebreaker of the division record. They're going to end up maybe 4-2... Five and one, even in the division, Cincinnati will not be able to catch that. If they beat the Ravens, they'll end up at three and three uh, against division opponents. It makes this stupid Browns game even more important when we have no idea who the quarterback's going to be. It's top secret information. Don't ask. We don't know who it's going to be. But wouldn't it be a pleasant surprise if this Ravens team can just take care of business against these bad teams with losing records? and make that Bengals game irrelevant to where they can maybe even rest players if it doesn't mean anything, and they've already are going to win the North without having to go through Cincinnati. It's really my my pivot point to talk about the Browns game, but we do want to talk a little bit about the NFC. Guys, is there a chance here? Is there a chance that the Ravens can take care of these three opponents who all are well under five hundred at this point and make that Bengals game a moot point? I don't think it's impossible, and I do love that they are generally being written off by the media at large. Uh, not a lot of talk about the Ravens. 
today. If you listen to the big national podcasts, um, just not a ton to say about them, and that's right where we want them. Nine and four, and no one's talking about them. Maybe you get Lamar Jackson back. Wouldn't that be lovely? We'll see on that uh, in two weeks. We should say the Falcons have inserted a rookie at quarterback. Desmond Ritter is presumably going to start the rest of their games the rest of the year. So that's that's a plus. We'll probably see Kenny Pickett, I'm guessing. Certainly they're not going to run Mitch Trubisky out again against the Ravens the second go-around. So either Pickett's back or you're facing Mason Rudolph. You've had success against him. That'd be nice to get that win at home as well. Um, so, yeah, so I, I don't think it's impossible that, you know, I, as you said, it kind of, I think, comes down to, to this week because I, th- I think they have a very good chance of beating both the Steelers again and the Falcons. But it is the Ravens, and they never make things easy. Even, even you know, if Lamar comes back, they could easily lose by four to the Falcons. That's just what this team does. But, uh, yeah, as of now, I don't think it's impossible they can win the division. I just personally think it's unlikely. Yeah, agree. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Ravens are going to take care of business because they legitimately <laughs> haven't been doing that yeah. all year. Yeah, remember easy, easiest, uh, easiest second half schedule, and then we came out of the bye and we we haven't we scored over 20 points once. And it was the game we lost. That's how this team operates. <laughs> Guys, Baltimore Ravens are <laughs> winners of six of their last seven. It's not. It's not the worst. It's not the worst case scenario in in the NFL, with a one point loss. So should, with a one point loss. We should say they're nine and four. They've clinched. They've guaranteed yet another winning season. All right. Let's talk <laughs> NFC now. Again, a couple of teams really locked into playoff spots at least. Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Cowboys seem to have that first wild card locked up. Somebody has to win the NFC South. There is a good chance. <laughs> so they said. <laughs> there is a good chance that team ends up with a losing record. At the moment, the Bucks at 6-7 and seven lead that division by one game over the Carolina Panthers. Winners of two in a row, 5-8. and eight. Let's get two more wins, Carolina. We just need two more wins. Who- Many people are saying over 6.5 is the most important number of the year. It's a, it's a very important number uh, out, of, out of both of the Carolinas, Jace. Not just south, <laughs> but also north. So that's a team that has to go to the playoffs, one of those NFC South teams. No other NFC South team will go to the playoffs. And that leaves two spots for the following three teams. Seattle Seahawks, who are trying the best they can to implode as the season ends. The Washington Commanders, I think that's the first time I haven't called them the commies in years. And the New York Football Giants, a bit more mediocrity with the wild cards, I would say, in the NFC. Who of those three teams, which two do you see grabbing the the last wild card spots out of the NFC? So I think the Commanders are going to stumble into one of these uh, spots for sure. Um just because the, the Giants have been so uninspired lately. They've, they've won one of their last, what is this? One, two, three, four, five. They've, so they're, they're, they're one of five and one in their last, you know, seven games or whatever. So the Giants just, the run of play isn't great. I still think it's been a successful season. Obviously this is actually the Sunday night football game uh, this upcoming week. So I think, uh, I think basically the winner of this game is going to more or less punch their ticket in to a wild card spot this week. Um, but I still like Seattle. I still think they do some things, but the injuries are kind of starting to mount with them a little bit. And 
you know, they've lost three of their last four. The Magic's gone a little bit, and, and they have a tough the they have a really tough next three weeks. 49ers at Chiefs versus the Jets, and then they finish with Yeesh. the Rams. Yeah, so so that's tough. Which means we have to bring up, I think, the the only other team we haven't yet, which is the Detroit Lions, who have not been in the playoffs since 2016. They they are they are hot. They've only lost once in the last what month and a half. Uh, yeah, five of their la- won five of their last six. They're back to six and seven. Not the easiest schedule down the stretch. At Jets, at Panthers, versus Bears, at Packers. That at Panthers game is going to weirdly, I think, determine if the Panthers would. So many out. dominoes in the playoff picture <laughs> because of Lions <laughs> at Panthers. And obviously, as the Jets, we talked about are very much in it the bears i think are obviously playing out the string and i'd be shocked if aaron Rodgers is playing that packers game i think that might be a jordan love special so i kind of like the lions here i just the the giants seem to be fading the lions are hot but they they kind of have to win out because they're you know they're six and seven they've they've kind of removed their their margin for error so i think the commies are lock and then i'll say the lions do it the lions get in as the seventh seed yeah, man, stealing my thunder with the Lions there. I think the Lions are so hot right now, as I keep saying, and I just don't, you know, you you look at the, the, the Giants, they've fallen off. The Seahawks, man, you look at their last four, lost to the Buccaneers in Germany, lost to the Raiders, beat a Rams side that literally didn't have a quarterback, and they only won by four, and then just got destroyed by the Panthers. So I just, I don't, I think they're trending in the wrong direction at the wrong, at the wrong time, and I just don't understand that it's, yeah, they've got the – and then you look at the Seahawks' schedule here. 49ers, Chiefs, and Jets are their next three. That's with a defense that is a, a sieve. It's Swiss cheese. I, I I, think the Seahawks fell off at the wrong time. And it's unfortunate, you know, just like the Giants kind of over – did better than we thought initially but are kind of reaching going back to form a little bit as well. Uh, and maybe we're just riding the hot hand right now. And I know I mentioned earlier that now that the everybody's talking about the Lions, they're probably going to, you know, screw some stuff up. Which, yeah, this is Jared Goff's four-pick Which I could absolutely up. see 100%. He keeps trying to test Sauce Gardner, and it doesn't work out. Uh, but I'm going to go the same, too. I'm going to go with the Commanders, and I'm going to go with the Lions. I, do, I should say, as well, um, the NFC South. Now, I gave... Uh, you know, a, a little bit of hyperbole, but I gave some stick to both Antonio and Jace about liking the Carolina Panthers early in the year. I thought it was a travesty. Now, that, that was the Baker Mayfield-led Carolina Panthers, so I still hold that my take, even though I took your words a bit out of context, remains true. But the Carolina Panthers, I hate to admit it, legitimately might have the b- best pathway, in a way, to the NFC South title. So they're a game behind the Buccaneers at the moment. But they have the Steelers, the Lions, the Bucks on January 1st on New Year's Day, and the Saints, who just kind of look deader than dead with Andy Dalton at this point. They have a good defense, and they can run the ball. And Sam Darnold, if, he, all, he, if all he does is manages the game, then he'll be all right. And the Bucks' schedule is the Bengals, the Cardinals, the Panthers, and the Falcons. So both sort of easy. I just like the Panthers want a little bit more. If they can win out, maybe they steal away that NFC South from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Yeah, I think if it's not the Saints or uh, excuse me, the Bucks, the Panthers, I think have to be the obvious. I I kind of lean they're still just in slightly too big a hole, just because you know the Bucks are a bad team, but six and seven, you only I think need one more win to kind of to win that division. I think so. Um, 
Yeah, I, I, I feel your argument. I think the Panthers could sneak in. They've been actually playing pretty well. I believe they have a winning record now under Steve Wilkes, um, who seems like he might just get the job for next year as well based on their recent run of play. Hey, but, look at the Raiders, by the way. Rich Versaccia, they didn't give him the job, and they probably should have. Maybe learn from that and give it to Steve Wilkes, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say the Bucks will make the playoffs because if we were doing a saddest team, the Bucks are my saddest team of the week, losing 35-7 to to Brock Purdy. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, it is going to be hilarious to me when the Cowboys go in there and Mike McCarthy McCarthy's it up and they find a way to be in a tight dogfight that they probably lose oh, yeah. or win way, way more narrow a margin than they should. I could easily see the Bucks beating the Cowboys in a first-round playoff series, uh, only to go on to be waxed by the Eagles. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's weird to have a, a, a five seed that is going to be so much better than whatever the four seed is. But that's how the NFC is shaking Legit up potential, Jace, for a 14-3 and three Cowboys to roll into the 8-9, <laughs> and nine, or worse, or 7-10 and 10, Tampa Bay Bucks. And then we'll still all be nervous for all Cowboys fans out there that Tom Brady, I don't know, he's not pleased. They've looked so bad. I, I take it back. I'm not going to be concerned uh, with Tom Brady in that game. Jace will be concerned because he has the Bucks still winning the Super Bowl this year, even though they can't I, I, stop. I'm a little less high, <laughs> high on that after Sunday's event. Uh, all right. There's some, some really awesome matchups starting this week that are going to dictate a lot of who ends up going to the postseason and, and where they end up being seeded. Let's turn now back to the Ravens playing against the Cleveland Browns on Saturday at 4.30. It's like half prime time. You get a first half non-prime time and then the second half, fourth quarter, you're into prime time and then that's where we're going to get more stressed out. The Ravens, two and a half point underdogs against the five and eight is that right five and eight cleveland browns we don't know who the quarterback's going to be for the ravens that's really where this whole conversation sort of starts remember when the ravens were going to be favored in every game from mid-season on and now they've been dogs to two teams with losing records in the afc north (laughs) the ravens need time for the quarterbacks to heal so of course let's play on a manufactured short week that we didn't need to have for any sort of reason Let's start with the Ravens' offense, as I mentioned. I th- NFL conspiracy theory me says that there's no way that Huntley doesn't play, that he, he doesn't quote-unquote recover from his concussion regardless of what his symptoms actually are. I expect him to start in that game. It's not a given, especially as we record on a Monday, having any sort of insight into where, where he is health-wise. I'm anticipating him starting. Vegas, I think, at least right now, anticipates him starting, putting the exact same line that the Ravens had against the Steelers with the plus two and a half. I think if there were more doubts about his availability, this line would have been at something like plus four or something like that with Anthony Brown starting. But knowing as much as we can about the quarterback situation here, what faith do you have in this team being able to pound the rock convert third downs into first downs, and most importantly, put points on the board against this Browns defense. So every time I say this on this podcast, it ends up not working, but, you know, we're going to say it anyway. 
I'm I'm confident in the Baltimore Ravens in this aspect <laughs> of the field. I think that they are going to be able, if they keep everything simple and execute, and the offensive line shows up against Miles Garrett and the like, Ronnie Stanley being back will be a massive difference in that end. Tyler Linderbaum to continue to dominate the middle of the field will also be something that's very, very important. And they simplify the game for Huntley or Anthony Brown or whoever it is with the combination of both J.K. and Gus, unless one of them pulls up in practice or something on Wednesday, which who knows with this team. I'm very confident that they're going to be able to run the ball as much as possible, um, make a few key throws when needed, and and get out of here um, on that side of the ball, winning that side of the ball, I should say. Yeah, I think I even might have said this verbatim earlier in the show, but Stanley makes all the difference. It's it's wild, and you know it makes sense, and it's why I think you were right to call him out, Antonio. He's really good. He's he's one of the best left tackles in the NFL when he plays. He just has played like five games in two and a half years. That's the problem. But when he plays, he's great, and he just stabilizes everything. And you know maybe Kevin Zeitler's be back. He seemed like a minor knee injury but who knows what that means in raven's world uh probably tore his acl doesn't Um, have a kneecap anymore (laughs) yeah so he might be back too so so i like their their the chances to run one guy we know won't be here we should say is lamar jackson that was floated started bubbling up this week that they were already planning for him to be out remember he's week to week so he could ostensibly come back for this game but that, that seems to not be the plan harbaugh in a rare a rare slip for him, Antonio, in terms of uh, Harbaugh quotes, he, uh, you know, he he he, he uh, kind of gave away the game that Lamar wasn't going to play this week. When he he said this uh, on Sunday, he said, uh, "We'll see how it goes." You trust the do- or this, the the dogs thing. If Tyler can go, he'll be there, and Anthony will be backing him up. And if he can't go, Anthony will be there playing, and Brett Hundley will be oh, backing God. him up. We'll go with what we got. Trust me, everybody in that locker room trusts everyone. You know, he never mentioned Lamar Jackson. So Lamar is not playing in this game uh, at all. And despite, you know, I think he realized he slipped because he was asked about it Monday as we record about the possibility of Lamar playing. And Harbaugh said, quote, I don't know. So <laughs> he, he probably felt he gave away too much information indicating it's going to be one of Huntley or uh, or anthony brown i'm not as optimistic as you antonio because the short week monday as we record huntley uh was still in the concussion protocol which you obviously have to clear it to be able to play and with the condensed week i just worry about that so i do think the ravens will be shorthanded a little bit at the quarterback position and i think that's what dampers uh, my optimism with the game even though i do think yeah like we said they should run the ball uh kind of regardless i think no matter who the actual quarterback is in this game yeah the browns 22nd against the run seems like that should work (laughs) even though they played at this point about a month and a half ago and the ravens struggled uh, on the ground at home strong and the the panthers were 25th against the run when they played them and they ran for like five yards so doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Ravens defensively. Let's talk about more sunshine and rainbows instead. How about the Ravens defense <laughs> against the Browns offense? Ravens D has allowed more than 14 points only once in the past five games. My question for you guys to spur first takey debate here. Is this side of the ball more about the Ravens stopping Chubb and Hunt? Or is it about keeping Deshaun Watson down what's more important or more likely to get a win 
I I want to say stopping Chubb and Hunt and the run game of the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson, it's weird. You know, he hasn't played football in almost two years, and it's almost like you have to keep playing football to remain good. He has been horrendous for the Cleveland Browns in his two games. And so it seems like the easy pick, right? That That's what we should be saying here. Except that Deshaun Watson's probably going to have his coming out party, um, and all of Cleveland's going to be cheering for um, – how do I put this lightly a bad person uh, and, and cheering loudly for said bad person. And I just, I worry that it's kind of like, Oh, third game. Look, they finally figured it out type of thing. So maybe I switch it to <sighs> limiting Chubb and Hunt as best as you can, but really feasting on Deshaun Watson might be the key. Like it might, it might be, you know, we'll stop their best thing. Right. Maybe they can be good enough at their best thing and keep running the ball, but if you're if you're picking off Deshaun Watson, if you're getting after him, if you're sacking the quarterback, making his life miserable, maybe it doesn't even matter uh, how good the running backs do, and then you walk away with the victory that way. Tim, this is why we are friends. Uh, part of the reason we connected, we share very similar so, thoughts about So, so miserable. Because <laughs> I am completely in lockstep with you. I have the exact same thought. I, I think you limit Watson – you win the game and historically you know the Ravens have had success against Watson he was 0-2 against them uh when he was with Houston and as Tim said he's been bad this year 59.4% completion one TD two interceptions that touchdown he threw is the only one the Browns have mustered with him since he became the starter so I think keeping him under wraps you kind of you know I'm sure they're trying to incorporate him more than they probably will call more passes than usual trying to just because their season's effectively over, right? So I think they're all just about looking forward to next year. So, you know, I think Chubb can get his. He's he's had it's, – it's been weird with Chubb. He can be feast or famine versus the Ravens. Sometimes they really lock him down, and other times he runs for 180 yards against them, and there seems to be no real rhyme or reason to which one of those games happens when. But, uh, yeah, I'm completely with Tim. I, I worry about this being a Watson breakout game. Uh, cause it will disturb me on multiple levels, uh, as a Ravens fan and person. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, yeah, I just don't want it. So I, I think the key is to, to, you limit him. And I, I think I was, was even Chubb more cream hunt. I feel like they never really have too much trouble with, but yeah. Um, I, I'm more concerned in this game about Watson just cause I think it's just cause we had we played you know a few months ago they had success relatively keeping chubb under wraps for the most part um but uh you know watson's something we haven't seen before from the browns and that gives me i guess pause let's get to the picks here ravens two and a half point underdogs in this game i've gone back and forth with it a bunch of times and I'm going to kind of cheat here with my pick because it's so difficult to pick a game six days, five days ahead of time when you don't know what the quarterback situation is really at all. And it's not even Jackson to Huntley. Obviously, it's Huntley to Brown. I'm taking the Ravens plus two and a half if Huntley is able to come back in this game. If we find out on Thursday, Friday, that it is an Anthony Brown game, you know, you'll be surprised to know that I'm not taking the Ravens plus two and a half with Anthony Brown. That line will probably move as well. It'll probably go to like four, four and a half. 
And it's going to be a frustrating game to watch uh, because they'll be able to move the ball a little bit on the ground and then eventually will run out of plays that Anthony Brown knows how to call and things will get super sluggish and, and muddled. If Huntley plays, I think he can make just enough throws. I think he can scramble just enough times and I think the running game will be significantly more effective than they had in their first matchup. They got all the pieces at the same time. Would be lovely to get Zeitler back, and we can do the... Uh, oh, boy, this is this is an old man reference here, because I haven't seen the movies, but it's the, the Marvel superhero movie where the evil guy gets all the stones on his hand or whatever the heck. I haven't seen it. I don't know what any of the characters are called. What is that? What is he called? What's his I name? I believe you're referring to the Avengers. Avengers. I have not seen all the films myself. Oh my Endgame? God. You, is that what it's both, called? You both disappoint me so much. Yeah, the Infinity Stones on the Infinity That's what Gauntlet. Thanos, you know. Thanos. The big purple one that looks like a thumb. Yeah, him. That's it. Thanos is the guy that... Uh, Oh, no, that's that's Theranos. Sorry, that's Elizabeth Holmes. I'm confusing uh, real humans with, with characters in, in, in movies. I'm yes. going to walk off this podcast. That, <laughs> that's the Ravens offense I want to see. All the backs, all the offensive linemen. I don't even care about the wide receivers. I don't even care for this particular game about Lamar Jackson. I just want all the running game pieces to be there. Huntley will do just enough. And I think the Ravens win this game with a late field goal. I think they're going to keep it low scoring defensively. That that's almost guaranteed at, at this point based on the depth at this on this side of the ball and just what they have shown the last month and a half. And the Ravens squeak out another stupid game that we probably didn't enjoy and they win it like 17 to 16 or something like that. So I'm going to take the Ravens. I'm assuming Huntley comes back for this game. Ravens plus 2 and a half. Last week I went 3 and 0 with my picks. Thank you very much, including Winning my not quite lock of the year, but definitely close the door firmly of the year. Teaser, three team <laughs> teaser there. 26 and 19 on the season, feeling good down the home stretch. So outside of the Ravens pick, I'm taking the, <laughs> I'm taking the Bengals because I don't think they're going to give us an inch for as long as possible. The Bengals are three and a half point favorites at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This line, I don't understand. Brady is somehow still getting respect. The Bucks are terrible. They cannot score. They cannot stop teams from scoring. The Bengals have won all these games in a row. They're putting everything together. They're making a run for a you know first place in the division. The Bengals win this game by 14 points. This line is 3.5. I'm all over it. And then my final pick, the most confusing team in the NFL this season, the 10-3 and Minnesota Vikings. With a minus one point differential, by advanced metrics, they're by a mile the worst ten and three team in like the history of the NFL. Guess what? I'm taking them against the Colts. They are four point favorites at home against a very bad Colts team that's coming off a bye. And I think this line is impacted by the fact that everybody saw the Vikings recently lose a disappointing game to the Lions, and people haven't seen the Colts in two weeks. And they have forgotten the fourth quarter that the Colts had where they turned the ball over on every possession over and over and over again in the fourth quarter and their blowout loss to the Cowboys. This isn't even a Vikings pick. It's just a, the Colts are not traveling and being close in a game with a team that has legit playoff aspirations. I'm taking the Vikings minus four. I think they win by like seven or eight points. They have a bigger lead early. It gets trimmed to seven or eight. They hang on and they cover this line. Those are my three point, my three picks for the week.
I am in lockstep with you, Antonio, on the Vikings pick, because uh, I completely agree with you. I think people just forgot how bad the Colts looked the last <laughs> several weeks leading up to that game. Yeah, including they gave up 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Cowboys to lose 54 to 19. Like that was that was not that long ago. Uh, Vikings, you know, I were we all I believe on the Vikings last week and they. Yeah, we all we all ate the trash there. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As uh, road underdogs, at least I was. Uh, and that didn't work out. But I am riding with the Vikings again. As I said, I am not as optimistic about seeing Tyler Huntley in this game. And for that reason, I am picking Browns minus two and a half. I should say, I've been awful. If you've listened to my all my other non-Ravens picks, those have been bad. But I've been on a heater with Ravens picks. I've gotten it right every week since the first game they played the Browns. Um, I haven't gotten a pick wrong since then. The Giants game, that disastrous Giants game was the last game uh, I've actually picked incorrectly versus the Ravens and the spread. So, you know, take that for what it will. I don't know what that means for my ability to handicap the entire rest of the NFL. But I guess I have a a fairly firm handle on where this team is. And I just think it's such a tall ask to go into Cleveland who I do think is a talented team, despite, you know, their record not being probably what it should be, given the level of talent there. Um, And I just, I worry, you know, Watson's first game there, two straight AFC North road games. You worry about the emotional letdown after a win over the Steelers, all those kind of things. And ultimately, as I said, you worry about Anthony Brown being your starting quarterback in mid-December. That's my my A1 number concern. So that's why the Browns get to pick this week. Um, and then I am picking, we talked about them, a kind of sliding team. I'm picking the bills minus seven and a half at home against the Miami dolphins, because I think this is a statement game for Buffalo. Remember they lost early in the season to Miami, uh, in a game that's all, you know, offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey loses mind and smash everything in the coach's box. They care about this game. It's a rivalry game. Uh, they're going to be looking for revenge. Um, this game has been his, like, you know, some of Tua's worst games as a pro have occurred, uh, in Buffalo. Uh, certainly the, the capper to 2020, probably the worst game he's ever played. And he wasn't great there last year either. Um, so it's just a place the Dolphins struggles. Like you said, uh, the heaters on the sidelines in LA, not a great look. It was, I think maybe as cold as 48 degrees here last night. It was, you know, high mid to high forties. It certainly wasn't freezing <laughs> out here um so that that's tough if you're going to buffalo if, if you're cold in la i have some unfortunate news about what the weather in buffalo new york's like this time of year so that's why i'm going with the bills i think it's just kind of a pick against the dolphins and who knows tyreek hill status and tua just has played awful in the cold so <laughs> that's kind of my other uh, jace over under 17 completions for tua in that bills game I'm, oh, he had what ten on Sunday night? He started wasn't good three for seventeen. Yeah, so at one point he was three for seventeen in that game. Not ideal. Uh, yeah, and I don't think the Bills have played great, but I just think they're gonna. Yeah, uh, to a to I do not. I'm gonna take your under on that. I think Antonio. <laughs> All right, I am. I, I was zero and three last week. Uh, very very bad, uh, including that Vikings pick. And I love the Dolphins away to the Chargers, and obviously that did not work out uh, as well. I will just say, as we were talking, um, I was convinced so much by Antonio that I did just put a tiny little real stake on the Bengals minus three and a half at Tampa Bay. I think he's exactly (laughs) right. Uh, I did not have that as one of my picks, but um, 
I'm putting actual money behind that one. Let's get to these picks. Ravens plus two and a half. Uh, and, you know, like Antonio said, you know, if, if Tyler Huntley's not playing, I'm not taking this. But and every time I bet on the Ravens this year, I think they've lost. I keep betting against them, and they keep <laughs> winning and covering or whatever. Um, I'm going to pick them anyway. I talked about this team before, and I've been bad-mouthing them all year. But you know what? Panthers minus one and a half at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We don't know if it's Mitch or if it's Mason Rudolph. There's been calls for Mason Rudolph, apparently. Maybe Kenny Pickett. Uh, we just saw what the run, uh, a good run game can do against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know they're going to want to come back and kind of prove that that wasn't the case all the time, but I think the Panthers and Dante Foreman have a good enough run game that they can, can kind of control the game here. The defense is very good as well. Give me Panthers minus one and a half. I think they're just they're, – they're – Maybe three, four points better than this Pittsburgh Steelers team. So I just think the line is too small. And then I'm doing it. Texans plus 14 at home to the Chiefs. You know what the Texans do? They cover big spreads. And, uh, you know, those guys get paid too on the other side. The Chiefs, although they beat everybody, uh, and they're probably, for my money, the best team in the league, Chiefs don't cover. And they especially don't cover big spreads. They never do. They were up 27-0 over the Broncos, who had to have Brett Rippon come in the game, and they still didn't cover the 9.5 uh, afterwards as well. Give me Texans. They're not going to win, the Texans. If, I mean, if you're crazy, you can take money line. Why not? But Texans plus 14 at home to the Chiefs. I think the, the Texans cover that. And it could be 12. It could be 13. But, hey, that's still a winner. So Texans plus 14 at home to the Chiefs. Chiefs, 10-3 and three record, 4-8-1 and one against the spread this season. They, uh... I assume if you're a Chiefs fan, you think they play down to their competition a little bit, but they tend to win the games at the end <laughs> with a top record, obviously, or with a tiebreaker, losing the tiebreaker to the Buffalo, but the top record in the AFC at this point. All right, last thing to do is go over the random Raven one more time. Yeah, so this is a fun one, in my opinion, but uh, clue number one, this player was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2007 NFL Draft. Ostensibly a wide receiver, this Kansas State product caught just two passes. Jace, you could say that about most Raven wide receiver draft <laughs> yeah, picks also. Right. Ostensibly a wide receiver. Yeah. One of the, his, 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 he went one for two. One of his catches was a touchdown against the Texans in 2008. Uh, but he primarily served as a returner during his time in Baltimore. And in 2007, he had a punt return TD on 16 attempts and a kickoff return TD on 43 attempts. His averages went down in both categories in 2008, however, and he was cut in September 2009. Clue number five, this player, who wore number 16, which is currently worn by Tylen Wallace, bounced around after leaving the Ravens, landing on the rosters of five different NFL teams and two Canadian football league teams before his playing days ended in 2013. Who is this random Raven? So I definitely know this, Antonio. Uh, I will give you if um, it seems like you do as well. So I'll let you do the honors. If you, you want to do uh, you want to do a first name last name thing? Sure. Here? Which which name do you want more? Because they're both uh, very good. I'll, oh, I'll take the last name. All right, Yaman. Big years. <laughs> That's correct. Is uh, our random Raven this week is Yaman Figures, uh, and. Uh, he was stunned by his lack of productivity and that we hadn't done him yet. <laughs> I would have guessed he played on the Ravens for five years. Yeah, Way more that, than he actually that was did. shocking to me that it was only that amount of time. Yeah, I thought he was around way way longer uh, as well. And 
Uh, it's funny, uh, wearing the same number as another, another uh, kick and punt returner who I do not believe we've done, who will almost certainly also be a random raven, so I don't want to give his name. But I was wondering if that would trip uh, anyone up as well. Uh, a, a fantastic name, a fantastic random raven. Not so much a fantastic wide receiver. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's going to do it for us on Pod Like a Raven. Nine and four, guys. First place. Hanging on to first place in the AFC North. A sweet win against Pittsburgh. Time to keep it rolling on Saturday against the Cleveland Browns. For Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.